If you've got your program, open that, to, open that up. We're going to continue our series called Stronger Faith. And um, we've got just enough time to finish everything we've got to talk about today. Uh, Pastor Rich did a great job last week. We talked about um, our stronger faith in the life of, we looked at the life of Abraham and talked about how trusting God develops stronger faith. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about Noah and we talked about how obeying God strengthens our faith. Today, we're going to look at Abraham's grandson, the life of um, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob is Abraham's, Abraham's grandson, and we're going to look at how perseverance helps us strengthen our faith. Just like Kristen said before she introduced, when she was finished reading from Lamentations, introduced uh, the greatest, uh, greatest your faithfulness song, that sometimes life is complicated and sometimes life is hard. The last two weeks have been two of the hardest weeks at the end of three of the hardest months that I've had as a pastor in, uh, in 12 years. And sometimes you just feel like, man, nothing goes right. Have, have you noticed that life doesn't always go as planned? Have, have you been on the planet long enough to figure that out? Life doesn't always work out the way you think that it's going to work out or the way you think it should work out. And it, things don't always happen on our timetable, do they? Sometimes there's delays. Sometimes there's waiting. Sometimes there's obstacles and there's challenges that we face that we didn't even know they were coming. Even though you have a pastor who's always talking about how life is one problem after another after another, it's not like we don't know that someday they're coming, but boy, we weren't ready for them to hit us this week. And these challenges, these things kind of put our life at a standstill or, or in that moment we have to decide, am I going to give up or am I going to keep on moving forward? Am I going to throw in the towel or am I going to persevere? Am I going to turn around and stay down on the mat, or am I going to get up and answer the bell and face another day, another new morning? Great is your faithfulness each and every morning. That's why I think that learning perseverance, learning to persevere is so important. Because when we learn to persevere, we learn to trust God. And God is the one who strengthens our faith. Now, I want to say from the beginning, for those of you who've never read the story of Jacob, by the way, have I mentioned you should read your Bible lately? Um, it's a great, great story. And I got to tell you, I could do a 10-week series just on Jacob's life. And we're only going to have really 10 or 20 minutes to intertwine his story and what we need to apply, pull out what we need to apply to our own lives so I can't cover a lot of his life, but let me just say to those of you who've never read the story of Jacob, up front, Jacob is not a perfect person. He was very, very flawed. He made some dumb decisions. In fact, really what I'd like to do, if I could just be brutally honest, he made some stupid decisions in his life. He made some bad choices. And I think it's good for us that the greatest heroes in the Bible are not perfect. 
Our greatest heroes of faith made a lot of mistakes. They made a lot of bad choices. But God uses flawed people. And that, that means that God can use us. Because just like these greatest heroes of our faith that we're studying from Genesis, just like they were flawed, we too, we are also flawed. So let me give you a little bit of the backstory. And if you're here today and you've had a life where you've made some bad choices, maybe they've even made stupid choices, where you've made some mistakes, where you've, you've had some challenges in life, let me just say you're in great company because we're all in that boat. A little background on the story of Jacob. Jacob was the younger of two twin brothers. He had an older twin named Esau. And on their father Isaac's deathbed, Isaac was getting ready to bless Esau. He was going to bless him with an abundance of wealth. He was going to give him the family inheritance. He was going to give him the mantle of leadership in the family. And this was like an irrevocable trust. Once it was given, it couldn't be taken away. They didn't have lawyers back then, so this is how they did this. Once it's given, it's like an irrevocable trust. It cannot be taken away. So while Esau is getting ready to go in and see his father Isaac on his deathbed to receive his inheritance and his blessing, he's going to receive the power, going to receive the leadership, going to receive the mantle of the whole the whole family, while Esau's getting ready to go in, Jacob, his younger brother, by just a few minutes, sneaks in and he tricks his father into giving him this irrevocable blessing. I told you he was flawed, right? He tricked his dad into leaving everything to him instead of the rightful heir, Esau. He's a sneak And as you can imagine, this ticks his older brother off just a little bit, right? So Esau's so upset at this point, he's going to kill Jacob. So Jacob has to run away immediately. He he flees, and he goes down to his uncle Laban's house to lay low for a while. He has to leave his house. He has to leave his family. He has to leave this blessing that was just all his plans for the future are going to have to be on hold. They're going to have to wait for all of that. So I'm going to read to you out of Genesis chapter 29. I've got it written as Genesis 9 in the uh, in the outline there. If you can correct that to Genesis 29, just a typo on my part. I'm reading you verse 13 through 15. It says, As soon as Laban heard that his nephew Jacob had arrived, he ran out to meet him. He embraced and kissed him, and he brought him home. When Jacob had told him, his story, his story of how he'd swindled his brother out of everything, how he had fooled his, his dad, how he had run for his life. When Jacob had told him his story, Laban exclaimed, You really are my own flesh and blood. Now, I think that it has a foreboding foretelling that he doesn't realize at the moment, but I've read the end of the story, so I know. It's like he, he knew from the beginning. He was like he is, Laban was. It says, after Jacob stayed with Laban for about a month, Laban said to him, you, sh- you shouldn't work for me without pay just because, you were, just because we're relatives. Tell me how much you, your wages should be. So Jacob's been laying low. He's at his uncle's house for about a month. His brother Esau's still on the hunt. He's still mad. He's still looking for him. Um, he's not going to get over that anytime soon. 
So Laban says, listen, you're, you're going to be here for a while. You're working for me. You might as well earn something as you work. So why don't you tell me what you want me to pay you? Let's draw up a little employment contract and, um, and tell me what, what do you want. Well, Jacob had only one thing on his mind, and her name was Rachel. In verse chapter 29, verse 16 and 18, it says, Now Laban had two daughters. The older daughter was named Leah, and the younger one was Rachel. Since Jacob was in love with Rachel, he told her father, I'll work for you for seven years if you'll give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. Now, on the surface, this seems like it's going to be a really sweet, romantic love story, right? It's got all the ingredients. And everybody's just going to live happily ever after. But that is not how this story goes at all. Have I mentioned you should read your Bible? The reason Jacob found himself in this position to start with is because he swindled his brother Esau out of his inheritance. He's had to run so fast with basically nothing but the cloak on his back, and he has nothing to give his uncle, Uncle Laban. He has nothing to give him to purchase the right to be able to marry, have his daughter's hand in marriage. So he agrees to work for him for seven years to earn the right to marry Laban's daughter. Now, I know some of you from up north, I picked on the New Yorkers last, last service. You've already, you've already surmised and realized, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This is his uncle. This is his daughter. We call those cousins up north. Um, and uh, so that's why I said he went down to his uncle Laban's house. I figure he's, he's, he's living in the south now. Okay. So, others of you from the south, you're like, what's, what's this? I don't see anything wrong with this. I've got a couple good-looking cousins myself. I've had my, I, I won't go there. Um, I added all that, okay? But we do know it is his cousin, okay? And he was in love. So he says, I will work for seven years um, to marry your second daughter, youngest daughter, Rachel. Now... <laughs> Some of you thought your father-in-law drove a tough bargain, right? This is exactly what Jacob has come to expect because Jacob's life, every time you see a new circumstance, it is a life of struggle. All throughout Jacob's life, he has to struggle. He has to wait. Really from when he's very young all the way to he's an old, old man, he has a life of grief and struggle and deals gone bad, and kids, and it's just a, this is a messed up family, y'all. So you thought you had, you thought of Thanksgiving, you had the only messed up family? No, no, no. You should read your Bible. He faced obstacles and things never seemed to go on his time frame. He had to wait and wait for his dreams to be fulfilled. Maybe here today, maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're in the pavilion, and, and you kind of can relate. You feel the same way. You feel like your dreams have been put on hold. This whole pandemic has put everything on hold. Maybe for your career, maybe for your marriage plans, maybe for your future. And you feel like life has been delayed. 
Many people feel like today that this is not the life I signed on for. This is not what all my hopes and dreams were to look like. So maybe you're at a crossroads today. I've been praying that God would bring or have people tune in who needed to learn about perseverance. And maybe maybe you've been wondering, what am I going to do? Am I going to keep moving forward in this life, in this career, in this marriage, in this city? Am I going to keep moving forward here? Or am I just going to give up and go back? Go back to the way things things were. This is the lesson we learn from Jacob's life in the midst of all of the obstacles, in the midst of all of the resistance, in the midst of all of the waiting in life. We learn that if we would persevere in faith and learn to trust God in the storms and in the problems and the obstacles of life, that God would then strengthen our faith and grow our faith. And we would experience his blessing as part of that. So I want to give you kind of the sermon and the sentence in case you check out and you don't pay any attention to anything else. If you don't get anything else I say today, what I want you to get is my faith grows stronger every time I refuse to give up. Every time I get back up and I stay faithful to following God's plan, every time God strengthens my faith. That Our stronger faith lesson today is my faith grows stronger every time I refuse to give up. If we will persevere in the face of life's challenges and not give up, God will use that perseverance to strengthen our faith. Every time we face an obstacle or an opportunity, every test that we face is an opportunity for our faith to grow stronger. Now, Faith does not automatically go stronger just because we go through a problem, a storm, or an obstacle of life. We have to persevere through those obstacles. And we have to trust in God to bring us through those obstacles. That's the only way our faith is going to strengthen. That's where it grows. So I want to give you four things to write down. Four ways perseverance strengthens my faith. If you've got a pen... The first one is, number one, perseverance strengthens my faith when I expect challenges in my life. Perseverance will strengthen, my, will, will strengthen our faith when we expect the challenges to come in our life. I don't know if you noticed it or not. Problems, obstacles, challenges are going to come. You're going to get your fair share in life, right? I mean, it's like they come one after another after another. Life is full of challenges. In our story... We see how after working for seven years to marry Rachel, Jacob is about to face one of the biggest challenges he's ever faced. In verse 20 and 21, it says, So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel. But his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him but a few days. Guys, we could learn. Isn't that beautiful, guys? We should be talking like that. My love for you is so strong. It seemed like just a few days. I have fully... I have fulfilled my agreement, Jacob said to Laban. So he finishes the task. He completes it. He keeps his word. He's worked seven years. He's got to the point that they've agreed there's going to be a wedding, and there is a wedding. But his uncle Laban warmed him at the very beginning. He said, oh, you are just like me, you scoundrel. He's a dishonest uncle, and he tricks Jacob. 
You see, Laban didn't want his older daughter, Leah, to be passed over. He didn't want Jacob to marry Rachel and have Leah kind of be passed over and end up as an old maid. So at the last minute, he changed the deal. He swapped one daughter for another daughter and made Jacob marry the older daughter, Leah, for those seven years of hard work. Now, here's how Jay, how would you respond to that? Here's how Jacob responded. Verse 25, it says, What have you done to me? Jacob raged. Circle the word raged. Oh, he's ticked at Laban. As I have worked seven years for Rachel, why have you tricked me? Makes a deal. What does Laban do? He tricks him out of what he had promised. He's given so many years of his life. He's been cheated. He did the right thing all along the way. I've had people say to me all the time, how come bad things happen to good people? I do all the right things and these bad things keep happening to me. And like a pastor, I'm going to tell them, oh, time out, God, straighten this out for me, okay? It's like, no, 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 this is life. You can do all the right things. You can make all the right choices and bad things can still happen. Storms can still come, challenges. In fact, your pastor's been telling you that for years, but don't take it just from me. Your Savior says that. We'll get to that verse in just a second. Things don't turn out the way that he planned, even though he did all the right things. I don't care how good our plan is. I don't care how successful we are. Our life is never going to be perfect. We're going to face challenges. I am so, so sorry if some religious type, some pastor type, some evangelist type told you, if you just give your life to Jesus, you'll never have any more problems. I'm so sorry you believe that big, fat liar. Okay? Because, I mean, maybe, maybe he never read his Bible. If you re- the only people who would ever believe that are brand new Christians who never read the Bible. Because if you read what happens to God's people, you can't believe that, oh, if I get Jesus in my life, I'll just never have any problems ever again. That's just not in here, folks. In fact, Jesus himself warns us and tells us and promises us we're going to have difficulties on this earth. We're going to face challenges. We're going to have some things come up that we weren't expecting. We're going to have some things that test our resolve. They're going to test our perseverance. And if we would admit that, if we would come to terms with that, And it would be a lot easier for for us to get through these storms, these problems, these challenges. But if we live under the delusion that life is just going to be perfect, it's going to be, you know, no no problems because I'm a Christian, I'm a child of God, I'm never going to have any issues. If we don't live under that delusion, then I promise you, you're going to be you're going to be in for a rude awakening because life is going to be filled with challenges. So if we don't come to terms with that, we're going to lose heart. We're going to be tempted to give up. We're going to be tempted to, somewhere along the way, to quit. But if we could come to grips with it and say, God, I know life is going to be full of challenges, that there's going to be problems, that there's going to be setbacks, that there's going to be storms in life, I know that. So I'm choosing now in advance, I'm going to trust you when I'm in those circumstances. When I'm facing those challenges, I'm going to turn that all over to you. Help me to do that. If we could come to grips with this idea of perseverance and strengthening our faith, then we won't be disappointed 
in life. We won't be destroyed when the challenges come. We can't always see the challenges coming in life, but we can know for certain that they will come. And we can decide in advance. You could decide today. And not only am I going to turn over this problem, this challenge that I'm going through right now, this thing that I've been waiting on, not only am I going to turn that over to God, but God, I'm going to turn all of my future challenges, problems, and storms over to you. And God, when these storms come, when these challenges hit me, I'm, going to, I'm not going to lean on me anymore. I'm going to start leaning on you and trusting you and turning to you. And God will help us through. And God will strengthen our faith. And God will use perseverance to grow us in our faith. Nothing worthwhile in life ever comes easy. And Jesus is the one who told us that we should expect these kinds of challenges. In John 16:33, Jesus says, I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have a couple of trials and sorrows. Is that what it says? It doesn't say a couple, does it? It doesn't say a few. It says, you will have, circle the word many. You will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Jesus says, you're going to face challenge after challenge after challenge. Storm after storm after storm. Trial after trial after trial. Sorrow after sorrow after sorrow. But take heart. If you turn to me, if you trust in me, you can have peace in me because I will bring you through it. I have overcome the challenges, the storms, the problems of this world. So that's the first step. Perseverance strengthens my faith. When I expect there will be challenges in my life. Number two, perseverance strengthens my faith when I look for God's purpose while I'm waiting. Your faith grows stronger as you face life's obstacles if you look for God's purpose. Instead of saying, why is this happening to me? Because we've already accepted they're going to happen. We can then focus on, God, what are you trying to teach me? What is your purpose in this? Totally different question. I'm not saying I don't deserve this problem. I'm not saying I'm surprised it's here. I'm saying, God, what do I need to do? What do I need to learn? What's your purpose in this? Jacob lived his life in God's waiting room. He waits seven years to marry Rachel. He has to, he worked, he waited. Now imagine you're in his shoes. This has just happened. He puts in all this work. It's a switcheroo, bait and switch. And last minute, to make matters worse, in order to be able to still marry her, he has to work another seven years, verse 28. So Jacob agreed to work seven more years, 14 years total. A week after Jacob had married Leah, Laban gave him Rachel to marry too. That must have been a great honeymoon year. Two wives who were sisters. Someone came up to me after the first service and said, this is terrible. He said, uh... I'm warning you, it's terrible. He says, you know why he gave him Rachel right away? Because if he had been married to Leah for seven more years, he'd have never had another wife, you know. <laughs> why would you take on two, is what he was saying. Um, I told you it was terrible. 
Come up to me afterwards, I'll tell you who it was. Um, <laughs> no. Nah. So Jacob keeps his word. He fulfills his promise. He gets to the end of the deal. He's put in all the effort, and he finds out, oh, I'm only halfway there. Now I owe seven more years of indentured servitude. This happens sometimes to us, too, where sometimes you're waiting and waiting in life. Maybe you're waiting for your boss or your company to notice all the hard work. You're waiting and waiting and waiting. They don't know. They don't notice. Some, some, some people I know, they're, they're waiting to be appreciated by their spouse. Waiting and waiting and waiting. Maybe it's been longer than 14 years for you. Maybe you've been waiting and waiting to complete your degree. And you get to the end of your degree and they say, oh, you need a master's in that now. And you're like, they changed all the rules. Maybe you're waiting for some kind of health crisis. And you've been, you've been sitting in a literal waiting room, waiting to get to see the doctor or to see the specialist or to see the radiologist or to have them send you their tests. Or, you know, it's, it's just one long saga of medical questions for you. And you're stuck. And you don't know how it's going to turn out. You don't know how the marriage is going to turn out or how the job's going to turn out, the career. You don't know how the medical stuff's going to turn out. And you just start wondering, God, what's with all the waiting? You know, why do you make us wait? Why, why, why do we have to go through this? Why, God, why can't things happen the way we feel like they're supposed to happen? They should happen. Let me give you three quick reasons why God has us wait sometimes. One of the reasons why God makes us wait is God wants to draw me closer to him. Will you fill that in? Sometimes God makes me wait to draw me closer. If you've been drifting away from God, if you've been relying on yourself instead of relying on God, if you haven't been coming to God with your daily needs, then sometimes God will allow a season of waiting in your life so you remember that he's the one that you need to lean on and trust. Another reason why God makes us wait sometimes is because God has something better planned for us. Sometimes he has something better for me. God may have you waiting right now because he has something better in store. He's working some other details out. Sometimes what we think we want is not really what we need. Have you noticed that with your, with your kids growing up? They think they need another piece of candy, another cookie, another another sweet and you're thinking seven's enough buddy you know you, you you're going to be you're going to be bouncing off the walls you're going to make yourself sick and you know this is what you want but this is not what you need you know eat your vegetables kind of a thing sometimes god has us wait so we can experience his best instead of settling for something less finally sometimes god has us wait because god wants to grow me If you're in a season of waiting right now, one of the things God may be doing in your life is growing you. He wants to grow your character. He wants to grow your faith. When we wait is when God teaches us to trust him. And he teaches us endurance and he teaches us patience. He grows our faith in those moments. So I don't know why you're waiting right now, but God knows. And God has a purpose in his waiting room, the waiting room you're in right now. And if, if you'll trust him, if you'll look towards him and 
Look for his purpose while you wait, that he will strengthen your faith, and he will help you to persevere. James 1, verse 2 to 4 says, When troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Oftentimes when we're waiting, God is working, not just in our life, but around us. And sometimes he's working on things that we have no idea that he's working on. Maybe we'll never even find out. But we can trust in his faithfulness, just like we sang this morning. In this part of Jacob's life, Jacob wanted to marry Rachel. But Laban made him wait. And on top of that, Laban made him marry Leah, the older sister. Jacob didn't seem very interested in marrying Leah. In fact, he was enraged when he was made to marry Leah because he was in love with Rachel. But if you were to fast forward 1,700 years, do you know what happened? I mean, God is a... He is a long-range planner. Have you discovered this? 1,700 years from this, these marriages, just about. Guess whose family line Jesus was born into? Not Rachel's. Leah's. Through the tribe of Judah. It wasn't. Jacob's favorite wife, it was Leah, the last-minute substitute. And you see, 1,700 years later, God was beforehand, God was already working out his long-range purpose. Not only has God just planned a couple of thousand years, we're 2,000 years from Jesus God was already planning for you to be here today so that you could see all these pieces come together and he can encourage you. Don't give up. You keep on persevering. I'm strengthening your character and your faith as we speak. Because God's able to work his purpose even through our problems and our challenges. And something incredible may happen in your line or in your life, years, decades later. Same thing happens. We, we don't understand all that's happening right now in, in the waiting room of life, but we do understand that even though I can't see it, God's working out his will. He's working out his best. Perseverance strengthens my faith when I expect challenges to come into my life and when I look for God's purpose in these challenges. Number three, perseverance strengthens my faith when I lean on God when times are uncertain. When I lean on God when I'm uncertain, it strengthens my faith. It's been said that uncertainty is the only certainty in this life. That we're always going to have uncertainty. This is especially true in Jacob's life. He lived a life of uncertainty. Is, is Esau going to come over that hill and come finally kill me? 
Is Laban really going to keep his word this time? He's lied to me so many times before. Is he going to let me leave with Rachel and Leah when my time has come? When am I ever going to be able to return home? He lived all kinds of uncertainty, but no matter how uncertain his life seemed, he had faith that God would see him through. One of the parts of the story I told you I could do ten, ten, a whole series on Jacob's life is, is Jacob had an encounter with God when he left home and he was on his way before he ever made it to Uncle Laban's house. He had an encounter with God. And ever since that encounter with God, it changed his life. You could have an encounter with God. It would change your life too. Jacob's on the run. He's heading toward Laban's home. He has this encounter with God, and God makes him a promise. Look at this verse, 15. God says, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. And Jacob hung on to that promise. Through all of those years, through all of those lies, through all of those challenging circumstances, no matter how uncertain his life became, he trusted God because he had... Because God had promised to meet his needs and protect him in whatever he was going to go through. And he believed, he trusted God to keep his word. That's been a theme throughout this series. One of the big themes in this entire series is we can trust God and we can trust his word. It's actually not just a theme of this series. It's a theme of all of the events of our history. That God's word is trustworthy and God is faithful. Just like we sang, even if you're going through a difficult circumstance, from the rising sun to the setting same, great is your faithfulness, O God. No matter how uncertain, this theme keeps coming that God's word can be trusted. Many times when we're facing uncertainty, we tend to forget that God keeps his word. That God keeps his promises. There's over 7,000 promises in his word. And God keeps every single one of them. All of them. And when we forget, you know, because we stop reading our Bible, we stop having a quiet time, we stop coming to church, we stop tuning in online. When we forget that God keeps his promises, it just compounds our uncertainty even more. When you face times of uncertainty and you're gonna you can trust in your own heart that god always keeps his word and when you're not sure what this next season is going to look like or how this next season is going to end or how all these problems are going to get solved or what's going to happen in this obstacle that you're facing at work or in your family or in your relationship when you're not sure what you're going to do or if you're going to get to go to the place that you've been planning to go or get to do the thing that you've been planning to do, in the midst of all of that, who do you lean on? You can lean on yourself. But how's that been working for you, to lean just on yourself? I and mean, that's what America lifts that up as the highest value, self-resilience. Rely on yourself. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. How's that working for America? In us as individuals. You know, I don't want to be a God in my life. I'm, I, you don't make a good God in me neither. You could rely on other people. They'll let you down even though, not intentionally, they just can't shoulder all of your problems and obstacles too. They can barely handle their own. They can't handle their own. 
So you're going to lean on yourself? You're going to lean on, on other people? Or you can throw yourself into your job? Is that how you cope? Work, 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 work. Throw yourself into an addiction? Is that how you cope? Those all lead to dead-end roads. When you're facing the challenges of life, the uncertainty of life, you can and you should lean on God. You need something certain. You need something solid. You need something that's not going to go with whatever the pop culture, whatever the media, whatever Twitter says. You need something that stand a, stood a lot longer test of time as truth and a lot longer test of time as faithful. When you're facing the challenges of life and you lean on God, He will give you strength. One of my favorite verses from the New Testament is Philippians 4.13. It says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Circle that word strength. No matter what you face, no matter what the obstacle is, you can do everything through Christ. He will give you the strength to bring you through those challenges, to bring you through those obstacles. I have one final way that God grows our faith as we persevere. Perseverance strengthens my faith when I remain obedient and I don't give up. When I remain obedient, don't give up. Every step of the way, Jacob could have given up. When his brother is out to kill him, he could have, he could have just given up. When he's forced to work seven years for Rachel, he could have given up. When he's swapped, he's tricked at the at the altar and has to marry her sister, he could have given up. He could have bolted. When he has to work another seven years, he could have given up. But he didn't. Jacob wasn't perfect. We are neither. He made a lot of mistakes. So do we. But he trusted God and he persevered. Are we going to do that? And God grew his faith and strengthened his faith as a result. In fact, later in Jacob's story, Laban tries to swindle him again. He, he's just a liar and a scoundrel, isn't he? He promised a portion of his wealth, saying that Jacob could have a certain portion of the flocks and the goats and the sheep that he had. And um, Laban then takes all of those goat and sheep and he hides them. He sends them away. Jacob can't find them. Once again, he could have quit. He could have thrown in the towel. But he didn't. Instead, he trusted God because he had that promise. Through all of his dealings with Laban, Jacob remains obedient. He keeps his word. He lives as a man of integrity in the midst of a whole lot of lies and cheating going on. Even though Laban took advantage of him every time he could. Let me ask you a question. Anybody got any Labans in their life? You know what I mean? They might not be your uncle or your father-in-law. Um, but you've got somebody in your life that they keep breaking their word, they keep changing the rules, they keep moving the goalposts. Every time they reconfigure things, it's like to their advantage. You're working hard to do everything you're supposed to do, but you've got a Laban in your life that keeps changing the ground rules to their advantage. Jacob learned from his mistakes, and he learned to keep doing what was right and to keep being obedient to what he promised. He, he kept doing what he said he would do, whether Laban kept his word or not. And he never gave up. He just kept trusting God and trusting God and trusting God. And God blessed him as a result. 
In Genesis 30, verse 43, it says, As a result, Jacob became very wealthy. God blessed Jacob. He gave him his own wealth so that he could finally be free from his uncle, so that he could finally go home and restore his family. Because Jacob was obedient, he didn't give up. God blessed him and blessed him and blessed him with more than he could ever imagine. So the question is, what about you? What are you going to do when you face life's challenges? Are you going to persevere in faith? Or are you going to quit, turn your back, and head home? Go down the easy path. Let me just say, one of the things you learn from Jacob's life is true to our life. The path, the path to blessing, the path to stronger faith, is seldom the easy path. If you're struggling, if you're facing challenges right now, that's probably a really good sign that you're headed on the stronger faith path. Real faith is forged in the trials of life. It's when you expect the trials to come. It's when you don't give up. It's when you search for God's purpose in those challenging times. It's when you lean on God when everybody else is left. And you got nobody else to lean on. When you lean on Him in the middle of uncertainty, it's when you keep doing what's right, when nobody else is doing what's right in your company or your family or your neighborhood or whatever. That's where real faith is forged. So you don't give up. You don't look for the easy way out. That's what we do. As Americans, we want the easy way out. We're looking for a shortcut all the time. Don't turn your back on what's right to do what's easy just because it's simpler for you persevere in faith, don't give up, keep trusting God and allow him to grow you. I'll close with this verse and then we'll pray. Galatians 6, 9 says, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Why don't we bow our heads and ask God to help us. As we pray, I, I know that for many of you here today, this message on perseverance is probably exactly what you need. Because you're facing a challenge right now that just seems too big for you. And it is too big for you. Or you're frustrated with how things have turned out. Maybe you're ready to throw in the towel. Maybe you're ready to give up. That's you. Why don't you just pray this prayer today? And just pray, dear God, I realize that life isn't going to work out the way that I want. And I know right now I'm in the waiting room. I've been thinking about calling it quits. I've been trying to face all of this on my own, and it's just simply more than I can handle. So, God, today I turn to you. Show me how you want to use these problems and delays to grow my faith. Draw me closer to you. Help me to see what you want, not just what I want. Lord, I bring all my worries and all my cares to you. And I put my trust in you. God, give me the strength to keep persevering in faith. Then some of you who are here today are watching online. The most important step of faith that you could take is to put your faith in Jesus Christ for the first time. Maybe you're here today and you've never trusted him. You've never been able to turn all your cares and worries and challenges over to him because you've never turned your life over to him. If that's you here today or watching, would you just pray this prayer quietly with me? 
as I pray it, pray it in your heart. Just say, Jesus Christ, please come into my life right now. I know I'm not perfect. I know I've messed up. I've sinned. Please come into my heart today. Forgive me of my sins. I want to turn from my past way of living, God, and I want to live for you from this day forward. I want to learn to love you and learn to trust you. And I ask this from you. Maybe you're here and baptism is the next step that you need to take. You can do that today. Say, God, help me to take this next step to follow you in believer's baptism, to make a public profession of my faith. Heavenly Father, I love you. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that we can sing about your faithfulness. And Jesus, I just thank you that even when life sucks, we can come to you. And you can give us the strength to make it through whatever obstacle, problem, and storm we're facing. Help us to do that. In your name we pray. Amen.